you're not a victim. You're doing it. And when you're ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. Hello and welcome to the Humble You Podcast, where we talk all things mind, body, and life. And this podcast features a conversation with Canadian adventure and wildlife photographer and CEO of Camp My Way, Jillian Brown. Jillian has a story to share from leaving an abusive relationship to rediscovering herself and finding healing in nature. She's here to tell her story of rediscovery and realignment with herself. And Jillian, I'm excited to get this story and experience out in nature here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. What a great intro. <laughs> so before we get into this interesting material, you know, I love nature. I love healing. I love transformation. I'm curious, and and, and so are the viewers or listeners. I'm curious about the story that led to your interest in photography. Um, what was your childhood like? So I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, essentially half the time in Winnipeg. And the rest of my time, I was on a small island in northwestern Ontario um, with my grandparents, my great-grandparents for a time as well. Um, that's what I call home. That's where I really grew up and found myself. Um, kind of like a farm mentality. You had to put in the work to be able to have fun and enjoy um, your property, the freedom of being out there. And I started in fine arts when I was really, really young. My family realized that I had a, a talent for it and a passion for it. Um, so I was kind of immersed in it throughout my schooling. Uh, and when I was 10, my parents got me my first camera, a little Crayola camera, a little like <laughs> probably from the dollar store. I don't know. And um, we were doing a road trip from Winnipeg to Toronto or vice versa. I can't quite remember which direction, but I took tons of photos and got back and not a single one of them developed. The rolls were black. Mm. And I swore from that moment I would never let that happen again at 10 years old. I was going to figure out how to never let that happen. Um, uh. And uh, that was kind of my shift from I was still doing the sculpting and the drawing. And I'm, I still have a passion for that. But I kind of shifted into the, the photography, um, started going and working in dark rooms at every high school, every school that I was at. Mm. Um, I immersed myself in their dark room um, from the age of 12, uh, went to specific high school for that had an amazing um, fine art program and then studied it in uh, university and went to a private photography school um, as well. And uh, yeah, my whole life kind of was really immersed in it, but also I, I think a big reason for it was that I was able, able to to connect it with all my other passions. Hmm. Um, so growing up on that little island, of course I had a passion for the water and paddling um, and exploring, but I also was allowed to have freedom. I could go and my parents, there weren't kids my age for one. So I grew up with, with people much older than me, um, my parents, their friends, my grandparents and their friends. Um, so I, I connect that to a lot of the way I think and the person that I am, because mm. it's kind of an old school, like you work hard yeah. to get where, what you want and where you want to be in life. Mm. Um, and uh, as well as uh, having that freedom to go and explore on my own. Um, 
And I was able to connect that nature with my photography too, um, which I think is part of why I developed such a passion for it. Yeah, let's let's take a pause yeah. here and, and kind of reflect on on <laughs> um, some of the things that that I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 really nice to hear that that mentality of putting in the work and really, you know, putting that dependency on yourself or at least building that independency so you're not looking outside yourself or at least um, you know, putting your hopes and dreams on other people to keep you satisfied or to keep you in line. You know, you're really building that self resiliency or self dependency, which is really important. And a lot of children, I feel like nowadays, with all these comforts, are losing out on that aspect. And with that, you also get to explore. And I'm hearing this word explore a lot. You know, to be able to go out and explore, that teaches you to be okay with the unknown and to be okay with what may come up and arise um, in, in your life, you know, and to be excited about that and curious about what else is out there. A lot of people, they're so comfortable with these technologies and these comforts around them that it doesn't allow for that exploration to take place. And it builds a lot of fear in the unknown. For sure. Yeah. We were, we didn't have phones till I was in high school. Um, we had two channels out on the Island, CBC, <laughs> and then the local channel. Um, we would put a movie on, we'd watch the CBC Sunday special. Like that was it. And, uh, it was all about problem solving. You're on an island. So mm. yeah, town wasn't far, but it still meant that you had to load the boat up. You had to make sure there was gas. You had to make sure this, that, and the other thing that the weather was okay. So it was all about problem solving with the tools that you had around you um, and getting through it in that means, which, yeah, I totally agree. Nowadays, everything is that everything is instantaneous. That's the generation that's being raised mm -hmm. probably for the past 20 years, at least. I think I just missed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's that instant expectation. There's no thought of problem solving unless it's with technology. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a real yeah lack of um, discomfort within, uh, within our society in the way that we're supposed to have it, like a mm. natural way. Mm -hmm. I think the and discomfort now is that things aren't happening fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and another thing is the connection. It's like, we're so connected, quote unquote, connected, we'll call it with everything, you know, with this, yeah. te these technologies and these smartphones, it's like, they're taking our power away from being connected to nature, being connected with ourself and being, you know, relying, at least being able to rely on ourselves for, to answer some of these questions, people, if they lose, Lose their phone or leave their phone at home and they go out, it's like they can't function anymore. It's it's impossible to move forward without that that smartphone, you know, besides them. I'm wondering as a child, you know, looking back at, at some of your experiences as a child and and growing up in that kind of environment, did you <clears throat> excuse me, did you did you notice that that you had a lot more, we'll call it street smarts than maybe other people as you grew older? <laughs> oh yeah, I can MacGyver the shit out of anything. But, <laughs> I, yeah, from from a, a vehicle, I've gone to Alaska a few times, and one vehicle, we uh, we broke down, and I used a shoelace and a plastic bag to repair it, and we drove it 400 miles and returned it. <laughs> what? Oh <laughs> yeah. goodness! Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, you learn that side of things. That wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to to Google how to do that. <laughs> yeah, think. right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. definitely that that's missing now mm, mm. in today's day. And, uh, yeah, I, I think even growing up when I was in, in school, 
I had friends, but I didn't really hang out with people outside of outside of school other than my I was really into athletics. Okay. Um when I was in Winnipeg because I needed that outlet for for me when I wasn't out in nature running around paddling burning off all of my energy. I I had to be doing sports. I needed to do something active. Mm. Um and uh when I couldn't, that was when I would have issues with depression and that side of things through and injuries. But um, because of the way I grew up out on the island and that that connectivity to nature, but also to self and to that awareness, um, but that willing to put in so much work, I I think that was a big reason I lacked the connection with a lot of my fellow students growing up. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I talked to them and I had friends and they I think, I think I liked everyone. And for the most part, everyone liked me. I could go from every group to every group, but I never really found that deeper connection of, I I don't talk to any of them now. I I don't have any high school friends, even university, because it just, it, I felt like I was in the wrong generation, essentially. Mm, mm. I think. So yeah, you're one of those old souls in a sense with your generation. (laughs) Yeah, I think just because of the, having that accessibility to the the way I grew up and that mentality. Did you notice a connection with yourself and nature as a child, you know, going through that experience of being out in nature? Did you notice that some kind of connection early on that maybe that even explored some of your, your visualizations or dreams as a child uh, with connection in nature? Oh yeah. There is. Hmm. Yeah. Since I was a kid, I could go up to, to wildlife and like pet them and, yeah, fox foxes would come and play with me, and my parents wow. always it scared the daylights out of my parents because I could go. I I had no fear of it because mm. I had that connection, and because the nature was just okay with me being immersed within it. It would show itself off. It felt like to me, mm. and um, yeah, there was the na- nature. Animals never had fear of me, and I didn't have fear of them because of it. So my parents would have to like lock me in the house when there was a bear in the yard. Cause I would just go outside and be like, Hey, we're best friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if they come out with their fear, I, I, the animal's going to notice it. Maybe. <laughs> see, I do. And so I've written a couple articles about that. And mm. like the energy that you exude, yeah. everything around you feels that energy. Mm. And especially in nature, nature is the most connected to energy that it could be, it has to be to survive. Mm. We don't have to be that connected to it because we have other means of survival tools, like our phones or whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. Um, we've kind of lost that, that sense. And uh, essentially that sixth sense or whatever yes. you want to call it. But yes. um, <laughs> yeah, but nature still has it. So if you go out there and you're terrified, nature picks up on that and it, it resonates too. It resonates fear as well, which is then going to make you more scared because the bears will act differently. The animals are going to act differently, whether it's just that they won't show themselves or they're going to be more agitated around you. Um, yeah, you really like you're, and then you, you move differently. Even if you don't think you are, if you're really excited, even if you're sitting still and you're really excited, you're going to move your camera just a little bit faster than you would if you just take a couple breaths and you just are nice and slow. Mm. And that little movement is enough when it comes to nature because mm-hmm. it's so connected to that energy of it all that that moose is going to be gone or it's going to charge you. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I've been through almost the opposite experience of you. I grew up in New Jersey around Philadelphia. So a lot of people, a lot of moving and grooving. And I was just stuck in this world. I grew up just when social media and technology was coming up. So I was that first generation of, of texting and, and, you know, these smartphones. And, you know, for me, I didn't notice that, that, that sixth sense that you talked about until just over the past maybe five years, you know, doing my own self-growth, going out in nature and exploring, I noticed, you know, animals were coming up to me now and more people were coming up to me now. And even this dog the other day, this lady was on the beach and her dog came up and she was like, oh, my dog never goes up to men. Like, you must have a really cool aurora around you. And I'm thinking like, it, there is something to this, like a right? need to know about because it's really interesting. And then you also think about not only with animals, but other people feeling those energies, you know, and that's important too, to think about that aspect of, of the, the vibes yeah. that you're putting out into the world. For sure. Yeah. I've always had a connection with kids, like every, mm. every kid I, I can hang out with no problem. Yeah. Um, and people, yeah, people say the same thing yet. Yeah, my dog doesn't like anyone and yet it'll be playing with me or all sorts of stuff. And, and anyone will just start opening up to me. I also am okay. Like I'll go up and I'm not afraid to ask, are you okay to a stranger kind of thing too. Wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have that, that kind of, I don't know. I, it, it's, it, I attribute it completely to the way I grew up that I've had that yeah. connection to um, that energy or that it comes with being self-aware. Mm. Like you have to be super self-aware to, to control that energy in some way or be so connected to that energy, I think. Definitely. And then that plays in right with the, with the, the connection that we've been talking about. You have to have that self-connection in order to feel the energies. And a lot of people are so connected to things outside them uh, with these technologies that, that, that we lost that sixth sense, as you, you said. Um, it's so funny you said that. I've been talking about that a lot recently, and it's like a sixth sense. And, and uh, awesome. you know, the universe is interesting how they bring people in your life when you're, uh, when you're pondering um, certain subjects. So now we've, we've got through your childhood. Childhood, you know, this connection with with nature. Um, but then there was a point in your life where things didn't go as well, you know, a little bit of darkness. Maybe you could talk about this traumatic experience that you've been through and then how you kind of pushed through it and rediscovered yourself. Yeah. Um, so after I finished university and the photography program, um, I was feeling pretty lost. I wasn't happy. I'm not a city person, obviously. Um, and I was feeling pretty lost at that time in Winnipeg, um, out where the, the cap, my cabin is on that Island. It just wasn't feasible to live out there year round and have this, a photography career or any sort of career. There's just not, not the opportunity there. Um, so my dad, uh, had a business trip to Vancouver, British Columbia, mm. and he took me along seeing that I needed kind of to get away. And, I rented a car and drove around the mountains out here. And two weeks later, I'd loaded up my Jeep and, and drove out to the mountains. My mom for sure has yet to forgive my dad. And that was over 10 years ago now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Ooh. I fell in love with the mountains and the, and the connection to nature. Yeah. And um, mm. uh, became a live-in nanny out here, um, have, knowing no one and immediately got a job as well. Um, at a dog sled company and snowmobile company um, as a photographer. So it seemed like the perfect, it was perfect. I'm out in this beautiful place. Um, I have a family around me. I didn't know them, but they were, they felt like family. They took me in um, and uh, ended up meeting one of the mushers there. And we started a relationship um, 
that lasted five and a half years. Um, ended up starting our own businesses together, dog sled company um, out in Golden, British Columbia, uh, rescuing 16 sled dogs from all over the country um, that were ultimately staring down the staring down guns. Nothing wrong with the dogs, just weren't doing the job that the musher wanted them to do. So we went and picked them up and um, started this business with them. Hmm. Uh, the, the relationship was ultimately abusive from the get-go, even mm. if I didn't realize at that time. Um, and it just kind of got worse and worse in every form of abuse, essentially. Um, and it took, uh, it took after the five and a half years, I had a business trip back in Squamish, British Columbia for my photography for a week. And, um, this is where we had previously lived and where we had met. And I was back there and I wasn't sleeping anymore. My body had kind of started to shut down mm. at that point from everything I was going through. We had had a lot of other issues go on in our family. We had lost somebody. One of our family members was murdered and, um, we lost a big part of our business at one point, um, all of the land that we had put all our work in, everything kind of imploded all in one week, mm. essentially right at Christmas. And, mm. um, and then on top of that, I was going through this hidden abusive relationship. And so on this trip back to Squamish, not sleeping, staying in our, in the work van, um, I, I ended up going to the local pub and sitting down and this puck slides across the bar towards me. Like, yeah, if the guy scores a goal, you'll get a free pint, but you probably won't because he's already scored a couple goals tonight. And um, that was my intro to these two guys sitting there. And um, they were just strangers and they took me in that week like I was family. They invited me to everything they were going to with all their friends, with whoever it was. They gave, they let me sleep on the couch if I wanted. Mm. Um, yeah, they treated me like like I was seen and I felt like nobody had seen me in so long. Um, and, uh, as I was driving back to that relationship, I picked up the phone and the first name on it was this gentleman's name. And I called him and basically without saying anything, he figured out what was going on and he did everything he could. He's, he's very, very successful man in business, very busy and he answered the phone every single time I called, no matter when it was. He made arrangements for me in the town that I was living in to, for help, like whatever I needed. We came up with a plan for me to leave. Um, and I'd been hiding $300 for quite a long time. And uh, I packed up. A week later, I finally left and um, took my one dog. I had to leave everything behind. Um, took my one dog and my Jeep and picked up a tent from a woman by the side of the road and uh, was homeless living in a tent for seven months. Wow. Seven months. <laughs> and, uh, as, yeah, as much as I, I laugh because I, I hate saying that I was homeless, but I was, and people always said that to me, but it was the best home I could have asked for, especially mm. at that time. Mm. Cause I wasn't homeless on a street. I was homeless in nature and it was everything that I had pushed aside, all of my passions, everything about me um, that had been missing for the whole five and a half years, I was able to connect back to. Um, and it was as, as hard as it was at the start, um, I started to go for walks with my dog and 
I thought about committing suicide mm. in a river there. And I, the whole relationship, I was never, I never had any of that sort of thought. I actually every day would go down to my dogs and snuggle each one of them, rub in their soft necks and say, I'm thankful it was me there and not somebody else because mm. I knew I had the strength to get through it the whole time, no matter what. But I don't know if, if somebody else would. Mm-hmm. And I said that to these my dogs all the time and it got me through. And then I'm away from that and I'm thinking about killing myself. And I um, I immediately turned, took my dog to the tent, left her there and went to see somebody, a counselor. And um, I was just, I walked in and they told me, sounds like you have PTSD. And... <laughs> come back next week. <laughs> and, and that was it. I was like, okay, so now what? <laughs> and I was just sent back. No, no tools, nothing. No, no, even, I wasn't even told what PTSD was. I was told PTSD, not post-traumatic stress disorder. Just PT, you sounds like you have PTSD. Have a good day. We'll see you next week. Wow. I never went back. Cause it, it was just, that, that's not how, how I heal. <laughs> I don't think that's how a lot of people heal. Mm. So I returned to my tent and grabbed my dog. And I, I was so frustrated, confused. Essentially every emotion was coming out at that time because I had, everything had been barricaded, blocked in from this adrenaline rush. I had basically been living on for five, five and a half years. I wasn't allowed to have any other feelings. It was just pure survival. Um, and now that I was safe, everything was coming out uncontrollably. Um, so I grabbed my dog again and just started walking and I let her off the leash and I just followed her everywhere she went. And I was like crawling through like the grass, up cliffs, all sorts of stuff. And by the end of the night, we'd get back to the tent and I had the best sleep I had had in a really long time. Realize it's because I, for one, I actually burned off some energy, Mm. that emotions, all of that trapped energy within me, I burned off some of it. But also all I was focused on was those moments. I was just curious, oh, what's my dog following now? Okay, what are we going to see now? Mm. I was focused completely on the present moment, Mm -hmm. which is exactly how I lived when I was a kid on the island, was you had to be focused on that that present moment of, okay, what do we need to do right now to get through? The the roof is lifting up from a storm. Okay, well, we better get up on it and and do something about it. Okay, what's my dog doing now? Like, I was living in that present moment. There was no thought about the past. There is no thought about if I was going to be okay in the future. Mm. Um, And I just started doing that every single day. I would just go and follow my dog and connect back to that sense of exploring. But just it forced me to be so present in that moment. Mm. And then I started to integrate workouts. I started to look back at what I had done when I was a kid that I wasn't doing now. Cause I was always a really happy kid. And when I wasn't happy, it was when I was injured and I couldn't do the, the sports that I wanted to do. Um, I couldn't go do hikes and stuff. So I just started to be as active as I could um, out on these trails, grabbing rocks, doing sit-ups, crunches, everything. Mm. Um, and hiking for hours and hours and hours with my dog and seeing what we could see. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, let's take a pause um, here. Let's take a pause real quick. Cause there's yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. Oh my goodness. I have so many questions. Okay. So seven months you're by yourself. 
by yourself with your dog for seven months. What did you do for food? I could go in, like I could go into town. I was close okay. enough to to Squamish that I could go in and because um, I had my camera gear, I would do photo shoots once in a while. Okay. Um, I I ended up going from there to having a place. So mm-hmm. I was doing work. I just I I I couldn't. I couldn't commit to a job at that time because I knew that I, I wasn't healthy to be able to, to, to put my all in. I don't, I believe that no matter what job you have, whether it's working at McDonald's, some job you hate, if you're going to be there and work there, you put in your all to it. You don't just go and half ass, half ass your job. Even if you hate it, you go and put your all into it. And I knew that I couldn't put my all into anything. Mm. I needed to put it at that moment into me. So I would go and do photo shoots when I could, um, but it, it just wasn't going to be fair for any business, but also for myself um, to go and get some some job, even if it was part time. Wow! Yeah, um, that's yeah, a great way to yeah, live. I could go. I could go and I would go and get like fifty percent off bread and stuff. And yeah, I went yeah. to the food banks. I've been to the food banks around too, and mm. uh, that was my first time starting to eat tuna and <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and all that stuff. All right, so you did have a little bit of community around you. Um but the the, the relationship with your dog was he was he or she there with you the whole time? Yeah, she she totally was a huge um part of helping me get through everything. Mm-hmm. Um she actually a, a number of times her and I have a had a crazy connection when it came to our energy, she, she could read me better than anything, anyone. Um, and when I was in that relationship, she actually put herself between me and him a few times. She, wow. I'd be, I'd wow. end up on a couch or on a bed or somewhere and she'd jump up and try to be in between, but she was so gentle. She didn't, she didn't try to bite or anything. She'd just try to get mm. to protect me and she'd lay on top of me or sit on me or mm. whatever she could. Um, and she'd, she'd get hurt. She'd get in some way involved then, but, hmm. um, but she tried. And then afterwards too, when, uh, when I was in the tent and the person would call a number of times a day and it, the phone ringing was, was terrifying for me at that time. Hmm. She started to hit the phone out of my hand when it would ring. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. She just, oh. yeah, she just knew, she knew that. Um, yeah, she, she was so, so good. Mm. She's the best. She was the best dog. She just passed away in the spring, but Did she? Yeah, yeah, she was the best, the best dog ever. And she, yeah. It's amazing how, how yeah. an animal can be <laughs> so much support for somebody and, 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 and people really don't understand the, the amount of support that, it, that an animal, especially a dog can provide somebody. Um, a lot of people going through just emotional trauma. Um, they have support dogs to help them through that trauma. And is it, it isn't a safety thing as in, you know, they need the dog there to, 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 to keep them safe or to protect them. It's really, you know, this, 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 this relationship in a sense, it really is like a relationship that you have and it, and it, and it provides like a lot of help and a lot of support for, for many people. Um, and, 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 and your, your examples 
to the extreme. You know, she really was there and, 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 and helped you and guided you and then showed you the present moment and some of these other things that are coming to you. So the fitness, you know, to, to be worrying about fitness or at least putting in some kind of fitness regimen with what you had going on around you. Some people can't even work out and they have the best lives, you know, the most <laughs> comforts that you could ever imagine. And you, you decided to put fitness into your life and also looked back at your childhood for some some kind of inspiration that's powerful like that's what a psychologist would tell you and you did it without any degree any studies you, know, you really just <laughs> went back to it what brought you to to those those moments was it you were looking for inspiration or was it something else I think I was just trying to figure out because I had gone through a, a stint of being depressed as a teenager and my parents took me to a therapist at that time um, and I just hated it. I felt judged. I felt um, like they didn't understand. Um, it didn't work for me. And, and I'm not saying it doesn't work for for everyone. Um, for me, especially that person and I just didn't connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just made me angrier. And it was very similar to what I went through once I was just a few years ago with, with all of this side of things. Mm. Um, so so I had had because I had had such a similar experience. Um, with not getting answers and feeling the same way I was feeling um, after leaving that relationship and being in that tent that I really just immediately kind of connected. Okay, well, what, what got me through then? Cause I've made it now to being in my thirties mm. and I was in a state of this when I was in my teens. So I did something there to get through life. Um, and it was that like, I had, I had tons of, I had in, really bad injuries. Well, what did I, okay. I didn't use that one leg, but I, I'd train my other leg. I'd be kicking the soccer ball, um, just left foot up against the wall, mm. still at practice. I'd go to practice every day still, and I couldn't take part, but I'd just be there just to have that energy around. Um, and uh, yeah, and then with the the dog sledding, I mean, my life within that is there was the abuse side, but it wasn't all bad at all. I still had this life that I loved. Yeah. Um, and it was so similar to the way I grew up. Like we were out in the back country with all these dogs immersed in nature, showing nature off to clients, um, but working really, really hard. Um, every single day you're carrying down 10 gallons of food three times a day down a hill to 16 dogs that you're having to pick up and do all this stuff with. So you're burning a ton of energy mm-hmm. and that's a huge reason what, why, how I got through, I think too, was that I always said that I was thankful it was me there. And then I was burning so much of that energy off with that lifestyle. And I would do some fitness too, I, like, um, but I, I just, once I was in the tent, I felt stagnant, mm. um, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, I felt that I needed that more of that. So mm. I'd go and yeah, do the, do the training and it, and it made me feel not just better emotionally and physically, but, uh, but just gave me more self-confidence cause I had none mm-hmm. that I, I started to feel better about myself too. And, um, not having mirrors around as silly as and weird as that is, I'm not vain or any, I'm not, I'm definitely not vain. But not having mirrors around in the tent was really, really good for me at that time Um, because I could just be happy with however I looked and um, just, yeah, Yeah. 
just be content. No ego at, at all at that point. I mean, there is no ego in the way. Uh, maybe a little bit, tiny, slight, yeah, slight ego here and there. But, uh, you know, I have to imagine that that's, <laughs> you know, that's like living in the desert, looking for your true self, you know, with nothing in the way when, you, when you're living that kind of life, especially in the present moment and following the dog and, and really being curious about what, what the universe or at least, you know, what your next adventure is going to be, um, what, what the universe is going to provide you. I'm curious yeah. about the more spiritual aspect. But before we get into that, I'm curious. I'm wondering about this. So how long into the, um, you were there for seven months. How long into this did you have those thoughts of, 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 of possible suicide? And were there moments that you were wishing you didn't leave your old life, even though you didn't like that life? Um, you have really, really good questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, that thought, um, it, I, I think it only came once and it was on one walk with my dog. Actually, it probably came up a few times, but it was always in a, on a morning walk and we'd go by this, the river and we always stopped and there was a bit of a, a gap in the trees and I could see the river and the roots and the fallen trees. Um, and that's where I always thought about doing it. And uh, it, it would have been the first month of being there, I was still receiving a lot of um, phone calls okay. from the person and threats from the person and um, every, all sorts of things. And um, that that in for that whole first month, I was still on that adrenaline and so much fear um, being mm. now by myself out somewhere like that mm. um, and still not having talked to anybody about what I'd been through other than having left. So I still hadn't connected back with my family, I had just told them that I left and I felt really, um, embarrassed, like all these other emotions now, because I've now left what, what my family's put a lot of work into too. It's been five and a half years of them supporting all of my choices, mm. um, them, them giving gifts to him and I, to our putting in work for our business, all sorts of stuff. Um, I felt like I was letting a lot of people down. Um, so I was really, really judging of all of my decisions kind of in life up to that point and then leaving, mm-hmm. um, and then dealing with these phone calls, which in a lot of ways were worse than actually being in the relationship. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, so it, it would have been in that first month. And then when the phone calls stopped, I think that was probably when I, that was, that was likely when I went to actually went to a therapist, mm. um, and, and found that out. Um, yeah, I was in that, that, that in helped. that time frame. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> they gave it, you an acronym. There you go. Figure this one out. Yeah. Well, here's a couple well, of letters. <laughs> as, as bad as that was on their part. Um, and, and it left me even more confused because we all just affiliate PTSD, that term to somebody in the military or first responder. That was mm-hmm. at that time. That was all I knew of that word or that acronym. And all I, I go back to my tent thinking, well, I haven't, I haven't gone to war. I haven't seen dead. Bo- I mean, I have, but I like, I have, I, I'm not a first responder. Like all these thoughts are going through my head yeah. of what I thought PTSD was. And then it slowly came to be that I like, well, I have been to a certain type of war. Mm. Um, I've been in my own battle. Like been going through this. Um, and uh, it wasn't until recently, like meeting Terrence 
Kosakar, who's the founder of Camp My Way. It wasn't till I, f- I met him that I really came to understood PTSD. Um, I just figured out what my tools were to deal with all of my emotions and my energy. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't need to ever go and study or anything. I just like, I'm getting through life. <laughs> That's good for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I figured out what's working. I'll keep sharing that with people. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, um, a, um, a studious person, so I'm not going to read, I don't need to read up on what PTSD is or anything. I know that it's working for me, my tools. So and it wasn't till, till he started telling me about it and explaining that I really mm. understood. Mm. Um, yeah. And it made sense why, why then my tools work for me. Yeah. Like and specifically and for you, you, you notice that the PTSD is an individual effort of your own, you know, your, your own path to get through it. It, There's no specific way to get through some of these mental conditions. You know, it really is getting to know who you are and getting to know what works for you and what you can do to shift it. For sure. Well, it's just, it is just energy. Mm. It's just trapped energy. Mm. It's all it is. That's why we start to get sick. That's why we start to have weird thoughts. Our emotions are all over the place. Why we cry one minute and get angry the next because our body is just trying to move that energy naturally because we're not doing it. We're not doing the tools that we need. And like you said, it's completely individual. What we share at Camp My Way here and what I share in my my, um, presentations or or podcasts like this, interviews, um, are, are my tools. They're tool, they're, they definitely are tools that every that will help everyone. Fitness is always going to help move energy, no matter yeah. who you are. But yeah. your fitness, you can do however you want. If it's mm-hmm. a five-minute walk, go for your five-minute walk and do some sit-ups. Or if you're extreme like me or Terrence, like flip a 400-pound tire up a mountain for 75 <laughs> days. Like, do those, like, <laughs> whatever works for you for fitness. But fitness is going to help you. And nature will always help you. Go for your walk just to your park, like going out around the block. That's always going to help. Fresh air is always going to help anyone. But the other tools that you use are up to you. I like to write. Um, My photography is a huge tool for me. Um, Showcasing other people's experiences and nature's experiences and connecting others to that kind of world or those worlds um, is a huge tool for me in helping me move my energy and heal. Others therapists work. Mm. Others really find that healing and that that talking about what they've been through moves their energy. Mm-hmm. For lots of people, that works. Yeah, it's not something that works for me. There's but there's plenty of tools. You go to Home Depot. There's not just one tool for everything. Mm-hmm. It's a whole whack load of tools that are mm. going to be there. And one tool will work one day. The next day, you're going to need a different tool. Mm. Yeah. And that's important too. There, there'll be a, even the tool that may be working for you. It might break off after a while and you got to, you know, get another tool that fits that same kind of mode. Um, you, you, we get sick of things. Our brains get sick of things after a while. It's it's so funny. You know, I try to tell people if you live by the beach, it's going to be nice the first few days, but then you might get, you know, it, it kind of loses that, that mystique, that, 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 
I don't know, that inspiration to, to live by the beach if you're there every single day with it. And, you know, that's why sure. it's so important to live such a balanced life. You know, you have to see the good and the bad of life because if you're just going in one direction, the other is going to be there and you're not going to notice it and it's going to come and it's going to scare you if you're not ready for it. Um, what, what I really love about what you've been talking about, about the PTSD is that you've noticed that it's not just specifically for people or, you know, you, at least you're, you're, you're telling this from, from what you're what your doctor or therapist told you that it's not specifically for war. It could be for anything. And then you relate it to your own little war in your life. And you could see how, you know, it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It's your story. It's your specific, unique style of how you went through it. And it's something that you noticed that you had to take care of. And with a lot of people, you know, they, they don't think that, you know, since they didn't go through war, they don't have PTSD or there's nothing wrong. And it really doesn't, matter what it is, if it's important to you and it has a strong hold on you and it's gotten you down to a place that, that, that you don't feel yourself or it's, it's limiting you or holding you back. Um, you know, it's important to speak about it and, and to, to take it on. Um, because like you said, it might not even be a war that'll lead to PTSD. It could be your own internal relationship type of war. It's, it, it's just lived experiences. And everybody has them. Um, Terrence, this is how this is how I got to understand it is because uh, Terrence explaining it like if you look at it, we're we're a battery. We're each a car, our car battery, a twelve volt battery, and every experience we have adds energy to that battery. And if you're moving that energy, then you're going to stay at your twelve volts or maybe a little below it. But if you're not moving that energy, your experiences are going to keep building up, keep building up, keep building up till finally your 12 volt battery is going to overflow mm. and you need to keep moving it. Yeah. Right? Energy has to technically be we are batteries. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. I always say like, I, I got to recharge. I know I have to recharge my juices because uh, I got nothing coming out right now. Um, you know, and it all takes is, is, is whatever works for you. But for me, it's like walking out in nature, going on a walk on the beach and, and, you know, half an hour and I'm back to, back to normal. It, it's amazing. Um, yeah. speaking of, of are, are, what were you saying? Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm excited for your next question. No, questions. no, I was gonna, we were going to talk about, so you're the CEO of Camp My Way. Um, what, what is Camp My Way and, and maybe a little bit about what you do um, with this, this beautiful project? For sure. So uh, I, I've kind of, I've mentioned a couple of times Terrence Kosakar. Um, so he's the founder. We were introduced um, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, as we were both in the same field, we both were, were utilizing nature and fitness and the tools that we've figured out to move our energy and showcasing it to others through presentations, through um, uh, social media, whatever platforms. And we were in the same vicinity. So we were connected um, and uh, he invited me up to help guide their next camp. And what, what Camp My Way is and what he, the program that he's, he's doing is it, we're sharing our tools. We, we bring out campers, first responders, veterans, at-risk youth, um, those affected by PTSD. So really anyone that has energy within them. And we take them out and, and we share our tools with them through 
being in nature. Mm. Um, we take people out of their comfort zone. Um, so yes. even if, if it's that we stay here and they're in the, they're in the guest room, there's no cell service here for some that's enough. They, they're yeah. out of their comfort zone, not having cell service, social media, and that's it. We don't need to push them past that. They're having mental <laughs> breakdowns because of that. But for the most part, we're going out and we're, we're going into nature. We're going canoeing, we're paddling, um, we're going up mountains and we're camping. Um, and all, all sharing the tools that we use um, to, to move our energy. And in turn, every camper that comes up helps teach us their tools too. Again, they've, they've made it through life to this point. They have some sort of tools um, already. Mm. So we're always learning from each other. Um, and, and each camper takes a turn leading as well. We, each day we call it a hut boss. Um, so they're, they're in control that day. They lead the body scans, the breathing exercises. Um, everybody goes through them to fight with questions. Um, so you get to be a leader and, uh, and learn those, those, um, the tools of, of, uh, helping others. Yeah. And helping it's a yourself. huge tool, a huge way to, yeah, it's, it's to be the, of service to somebody else is probably the best way to, to heal, um, and, and add happiness to your life. Seeing you creating a smile on somebody else's face, mm. um, is one of the most powerful things. It is, it is. But I, you know, I truly feel like in order to really help someone out and really give somebody something, you have to have yourself in order because if you don't have yourself in order, then, you know, and a lot of people they're out there and they're trying to change the world or climate change or everything else. But then you look at their own house and it's a mess. And it's like, you know, you got to take care of your own stuff. So then you can offer what you need to offer to the world. And you yeah. know, that, that what I love about what you're teaching people, you know, with, with being a leader, you know, some people may be nervous with that. There might be some anxieties with that, but you know, they, to be able to push through it and lead, lead a group of people in breathing or meditation or just up a mountain, um, you know, that, that builds that willpower, that builds that inner strength. And I think that's such a powerful thing that you're doing here with Camp My Way. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To teach confidence. Yeah. You learn that, that confidence. And because everybody takes a turn, you can't, you, you learn to understand and communicate with each other um, a lot better. Yeah. A lot of respect. I love that. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end here. Unfortunately, uh, the hour is flying by, um, but I like <laughs> to slow down and kind of get okay. back on track with a little bit more fun um, questions and, and, and some other things to explore a little bit about you. So my first question, and I think this one will be something you'll be interested in, is um, there's so many mysteries in, in life, especially in mind and body. What's one mystery you wish you had the answer to in relation to mind, body, or anything in life? Oh, gosh. Oh, goodness. That's a hard one. <laughs> it might take me an hour to think of an answer. It's a mystery. Oh. Um, that's such a good question. Mm. I don't... I don't know. I don't question a lot of things. Um, I think that's, that's a good answer. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't question a lot of things. I just kind of go with it and um, and see where see what happens. Um, 
yeah, I, I kind of have learned to, to believe in myself enough that I, I can get through anything. So mm. I don't really think about that, that side of that side of it. I don't really think about the mysteries in life because yeah, I think every day is, every day is a mystery, right? Every, yeah. Yeah. every moment, like the, that question, I didn't know that question was coming. Jesus. <laughs> I'm scared to ask the other questions. <laughs> Should we just oh, end gosh. the podcast now? <laughs> They're not that hard. All right. So this one, you could do one <laughs> no, to three people. Great. Let's say you have a, a podcast, your own podcast, the, the Jillian Brown podcast, and you could interview real or fiction so, uh, you know, real person or a fictional person, dead or alive, one to three people, who would you want to interview if you can have anybody real fiction, dead or alive? Um, so, oh, um, there's a there's a dog sled musher who I really look up to. His name's Lance Mackey. There's actually a movie about him. Um, I believe it's called The Great Alone. And um, he's battled numerous forms of cancer and overcome them. Um, he's lost fingers. I don't think he has any teeth left, mm. um, but he still runs the Iditarod every single year um, and wow. tries to win. He's, he's won it. He has won it. Um, he, has, he's, he doesn't make money off of this. You mm. look at his home and it's decrepit, mm. but he's passionate about it and he mm. loves his dogs. And you can see the way his dogs love him that he treats them with utmost compassion um and uh he he is willing to give up a, a race that could really change his life if he won to help another racer um there's there's one i did a rod where where a man um jeff king i believe it was got separated from his dog team in a storm and um, he got rescued, but his dogs were left out there. And Lance comes across them and, and he thinks his friend, this other musher is lost somewhere and he's looking around for him and can't find him. He hooks up the guy's dogs and his, to his dogs. So I think he had like 24 dogs or something running and he heads into town. And the description is it looked like Lance was a ghost coming out of the storm into town. And he comes in with all these dogs and, He's bawling, thinking I left and saying, I left him out there. I couldn't find him. And then Jeff King walks out of the pub right there and is bawling because he thinks his dogs are dead. And Lance gave up the race to wow. save this guy's dogs wow. and thinks that his friend's dead. Like it, I just totally idolized him. He does it for pure passion of, of his sport and of his dogs and, and his lifestyle out in Alaska and mm. being out there. Um, I would, I would be so honored to ever just shake his hand, let alone have a conversation with him. <laughs> oh, people like that are so rare. How about that? Wow. What a yeah. beautiful soul. And, and not to, not to put you on his level, but I do have notes here. You know, you, you, you're very selfless. You know, what you, what you've done, you said that you would rather you be put in that situation that you were in and that you're living that than someone else. I mean, that's to, to even say that, you know, that's, that's really selfless. And, and, it, and it takes just a, a certain type of person and a strong person, you know, this is a good person. I'm not, I'm not putting you down at all. It takes a certain <coughs> type of person to, to, to say something like that. Um, 
And there's other examples throughout this podcast that, that shows your selfless side, you know, like the job. You said you didn't want to get a job because you want to be able to give everything that you can and you knew you weren't ready for that. Even that, another thing that just shows that that selfless side of you, something in the order of what he did with those dogs. Um, really beautiful. There's something about nature. People that are in nature and love nature, there, there is a, a beautiful aspect of them. Uh, um, if you if you really connect to nature, you can. there's no judgment there. Everything is allowed to be how it is mm. it can it, it's perfect in its imperfections right mm -hmm. it's accepted no matter what that's mm -hmm. why i tell people to go to nature have conversations with squirrels do those things because there's no judgment there you can be whoever you want to be you can talk look do whatever you want to do out there um and I, th I think that's a big part of the that acceptance with yeah. others and with myself is just from taking those lessons from nature mm -hmm. And, and that's what you did. You didn't have any judgment where your dog was taking you. You didn't say, why are you going this way? Oh, why are we going? Oh, why do I have to crawl? Uh, uh. You were just going, you know, and you were you were seeing and exploring and taking it in. As a city boy, I like to call myself somebody that like, my family picks up crazy with some of this nature stuff. They're not nature people. <laughs> I've had, you know, I went to the Anirondacks. I've, I've slept in open tents, you know, a little bit nice. nervous, had no idea what was going on, but I, you know, I went through it. Um, recently though, because I'm, I'm really, you know, becoming more spiritual in a sense with myself, uh, more connected with these animals that are coming around me, or at least I'm get, being able to be close with them. I'm not speaking to them, but I'm looking at them. I'm trying to like, see if I can like connect with them in some kind of way people might think I'm a madman, but after hearing what you just said about the squirrels, I would like to know, you know, if that's something that you've done, if that's something that, you know, I can, I can continue to improve or at least strengthen. Uh, what are your thoughts? For, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I tell people a squirrel taught me the meaning of life. Um, wow. a, a year after I left that relationship, I, I took a trip across Canada. I lived in my Jeep for 77 days um, I grabbed, I brought my kayak, my camera gear. I left my dog behind. Um, I needed it to be completely for myself to connect to, um, my passions again, to rediscover myself. Um, and I, I, I didn't, if I had my dog along, I, it would have been focused on her. I would have been thinking, I need to stop. Roxy needs to stretch her legs, do this, that, and the other thing. Roxy can't go here. It, um, so I, I had left her behind and, it was, um, there were two moments that nature really taught me um, so much about how to be in life and how to treat others. And um, the, the biggest one was in Quebec. I hadn't talked to anyone in two weeks. I hadn't seen anyone. I hadn't seen any wildlife, um, which is very unlike me. I felt like I was giving off this horrible energy. Um, I was in a really bad headspace. I wasn't feeling well. I was really negative. And I was ready to scrap all of my goals of paddling in all the oceans, the Great Lakes, every province, and just turn around and head home. And I'm boiling water in a Quidico National Park in Quebec, in the mountains there, boiling water for my oats. And there's this fluffy little squirrel in a tree above me. I'll take out my camera, Hi, little guy, like you're so cute and fluffy. <laughs> take a couple photos. I always say those things. I always talk to animals. Anyways, <laughs> take a couple photos, turn back to my Jeep to put my camera away and go to eat my oats. And I start going over my oats and realize the squirrel's climbed down the tree and is helping himself to my breakfast. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? That's mine. <laughs> Those are mine. And I go over and I grab my spoon and I start hand feeding the squirrel. 
And he sits there and shares my breakfast with me. And here I am thinking I was giving off the, the worst energy. And this little tiny creature who I could have crushed so easily caught eating whatever it may be thinking. It was willing to share space with me and let me in its space. And um, mm. it, it really gave me that strength to keep going mm. um, and do those things and realize that I was the only one judging me at that time. Mm. I was the only one that, that thought that these things were bad or whatever I was going through was um, whatever energy I was exuding was bad. I, I was just self-judging at that time and thinking negatively upon myself. Yeah. And the squirrel didn't care. It was willing to, to sit there and be there with me and accept me for who I was no matter what at that time. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it taught me that that squirrel taught me the meaning of life. It was after <laughs> that. It was after that that I, yeah, I achieved all those goals of paddling in the oceans and the Great Lakes and Ooh. yeah, all the provinces and everything. Yeah. So. Wow. So I used to live up in Michigan. Yes. I was right next to the, uh, the <laughs> oh, Lake nice. Michigan. Yeah. So um, it's yeah. beautiful up there. The lakes are beautiful. Wow. So how about any other animals that you, did you have any close encounters? <laughs> I've uh, <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So many experiences. Oh. Um yeah, I was on a beach with 23 grizzly bears in Alaska, and it was the most peaceful, calming pl- experience I've ever had. Um, How many and the only bears? Other, there was there was 23 grizzly bears 23 on the beach with bears? me, and uh, yeah, it was me and my pilot and one other person, and all we had was a flare as protection, a single flare, and I've never been somewhere so peaceful. Um, Hmm. everything was just do it was it didn't care that we were there it was all just doing its thing it was there was big male grizzlies mixed in with with mother bears and her cubs Hmm. um the seagulls were picking at the leftovers that the bears left on the shore like wow it was everything was just working so harmoniously Hmm. and everything was just content um and accepting of of what every creature was doing that they were okay with us being there. Mm. Um, and the only other experience that I've had that was close to that was, was kayaking and, and having orcas, killer whales um, come up around me. Wow. And it was the same kind of, it was the same thing. Like this moment where you think that you would be completely terrified because these creatures are so powerful and um, could, could so easily destroy us. Um, and it was just, it was the most peaceful experience um, Mm. being allowed within that kind of world and um, being accepted and, and um, them sharing space. Um, And yeah, just doing their thing. I'm thinking of the squirrel. The squirrel's probably thinking of that about (laughs) you. Like, Oh wow. Look at this human. They could crush me. And they're being so nice to me. (laughs) Went back and told his little friends. (laughs) I hope so. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. Really love this conversation. Beautiful stuff. I actually have goosebumps right now. Really cool stuff. Um, so I'm sure other people are, are feeling the goosebumps also and may want to awesome. maybe take a look at some of your material, maybe some of your photos or, or where they can find you or maybe contact you if you have any website or social media to share. Um, I'm going to say Instagram is probably the easiest and best route. You can get my email there. You can send me a private message, comment on photos. There's tons of photography there and every photo 
has writing connected to it. And a lot of the writing has a mental health aspect or a healing aspect or a connection aspect to it. Um, and that Instagram is Jillian A. Brown Photography, um, as well as the um, campmyway.com or campmyway Facebook, Instagram, pretty easy to find. Um, and through there, you can find myself or if you have questions for Terrence too. Um, he has a lot of, a lot of knowledge, a lot more knowledge when it comes to um, the, the PTSD side, um, the more kind of medical terms. Um, but yeah, he's a great person to talk to as well. Beautiful. Well, it's been a pleasure. I thank you so much for all the experiences you shared, um, some <laughs> of the personal stories also. Um, and I, and I, I think that, that, that we, or at least you have accomplished uh, providing some hope for people that may be suffering or in some kind of situation like that or, or looking for some kind of hope or light at the end of the tunnel. I thank you so much, Jillian, for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was an <laughs> honor. It was a great interview. <laughs>